Hello and welcome to the Sky U Podcast by the Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, go away you fur. With me this week is Andy, Gopher Guy 05. The hockey team just scored again. Steve, Zips of Akron. It's all falling apart over here. And you street. Hey, yeah, so we can't decide if we're a hockey blog or a basketball blog. We're a hockey blog this week because, you know, 20 goal sweep or whatever. Uh, basketball, we'll get to less impressiveness against Maryland. Uh, talk about what's coming up. But first, real quickly, uh, to follow up on the post I made earlier this week, uh, PJ's not leaving. I don't care what you're reading. Uh, he's not leaving for Tennessee. And if I'm wrong, which I'm not, well, then fuck him. Hire Lance Leopold. Any disagreements from the group? Uh, no, he's he's not going anywhere. And, and to show... You know, every, everybody thinks that, that Tennessee is this great job. Apparently, the uh, the latest scuttlebutt coming out tonight is currently the best they can possibly do is Josh Heupel. So, yeah. Oh, bring, so the AD brings his coach with him situation is the, is the current rumor. Uh, so, yeah, I don't think PJ was ever actually seriously considering Tennessee if, if we're down to Josh frickin' Heupel as, as the current leading candidate for the job. If anyone's confused about how PJ's name keeps getting out there, it's because PJ has an excellent agent who is doing what agents are supposed to do and giving him as much leverage as he can to ask for either a raise of his own or a raise for his assistance. Something tells me, given that his assistants have their contracts coming up here at the end of the month, that it's probably for his assistance. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's just the game. Uh, and thankfully, Mark Coyle seems to be, you know, playing it the smart way, which is to say, hey, I bumped, I gave you a bump after the 11-win season. Uh, you haven't shown me anything else yet, so your pay doesn't go up, um, which is entirely the right thing to do. It's not, uh, we, we really do not need to be Purdue here and be paying $6 million a year for whatever the hell Jeff Brom has given them. So I thought making uh, terrible financial management decisions was the way that you showed you actually cared about the football program. I mean, I at Tennessee maybe, where they extended Jeremy Pruitt after, I don't know, he won five games in a row and got to like seven wins on a season, and suddenly that was like worth an extension and a raise. But it's absolutely now they had to wild fire from to cause. me. Like, truly wild to me that we act like the coach is what matters as opposed to the institutional response. Not just because Minnesota is facing this massive shortfall and has to cut a whole lot of other sports, et cetera, et cetera. Football only gives massive pays to coaches. Let's be very clear about this because they do not pay the people who actually produce the product and or give them like scholarships or whatever. P.J. Fleck would not be getting the amount of money that P.J. Fleck was getting if you paid the players, all of the coaches in in the country, the premiums they're getting, to the extent they get any premiums, is because they're able to bring in talent and then rent-seek off that talent. I do not understand why there is a strange view that, oh, we have to pay the assistants a lot more money. I can understand there might be recruiting benefits because, again, there's a rent-seeking perspective. But, like, which coach that you really want is magically gonna leave for another job because they're not gonna get like a fifty thousand dollar raise in this economy 
there's a lot of discussion that comes out like, oh, it's like leverage. We got to play games. There is no leverage from this coaching staff. I understand that you might be frustrated or whatever, but the department, the you know, the university is running a massive budget deficit with a not super friendly state congress. Where do they think this money is going to come from? It's not, but you know, agents if, paid to do what he's going to do. Yeah, I mean, I think basically we should all stop listening to agents and or instead of saying sources, just explicitly name PJ Flex agent or like. I was talking to Heather, and this is what she said about how I should feel about PJ. Well, that's not going to happen. This is the town of Little Birdies. Come on now. <laughs> it should happen, but I mean, I stand just, a much I, better. I think it's hard for people. Like, there are very few people in the world who like PJ Flick as the Gophers football coach more than I do. I think he's fantastic. I thought he was a fantastic hire. I thought that the way he thinks about things is great or whatever. If someone wants to pay PJ Fleck and his assistants the equivalent of what he's getting at Tennessee, the Gophers absolutely should not match that. The Gophers shouldn't match it if someone wants to pay PJ Fleck Jeff Brome money. Purdue made an obviously stupid decision. It's like gets back to like back in the day when Dave Brandon or whatever, when he hired PJ or not PJ, when he hired Brady Hoke and like upped Brady Hoke's salary by three million dollars or something because he was the Michigan head coach and we're supposed to pay the Michigan head coach a certain amount of money. We're not supposed to do any of this stuff. If BJ Flag and the staff are going to work for what they're going to work and they're going to look for other jobs or whatever, and there aren't other jobs, or you can find someone else who's willing to work in the staff, you shouldn't pay them more money to do that. We don't, we're not a school currently that has an extensive amount of revenue for which we can just hand out. There aren't huge boosters at the University of Minnesota. If there were, we would have had a practice facility whose roof didn't leak. A decade ago. That's inarguably true. <laughs> I forgot about the roof leaks. Athletes Village still isn't fully... I mean, it doesn't matter. It's a public building. It'll be there forever. But it's still not fully paid off. They had huge revenue problems pre the economy going into a, a nosedive. I think there is a weird sense that there is a lot of money that exists that doesn't actually exist without requiring an awful lot of very hard decisions from the athletic director, which he might, in fact, should, you might believe he should make. If you're someone who cares only about the football team, the football team absolutely runs a profit, it absolutely subsidizes other sports, you might think, well, we should get rid of those, which is great, but that now is a whole lot of other hard conversations with potential buyouts and other things that we were seeing with you know men's gymnastics and the tennis team and straight up no one cares about those sports can you imagine if in order to pay for pj they like i don't know canned hugh mccutcheon (laughs) i would expect some pushback on something like that yeah i would too i i think that's what my point is that I, uh, you know, I, it's me, a little bit long-winded, but I'll, so I'll close on this. Just Minnesota does not have the financial wherewithal to compete with the Tier 1 schools in college football. Minnesota should not try to do that. 
it also means that for any of these like sources saying you know flirting with this this other offer and it's like oh we're like trying to get leverage leverage presumes there in fact is a lot more money somewhere and i think practically there currently in this environment isn't but even on a regular level there really isn't that much money and to the extent that there is money available it probably shouldn't just go to coaching salaries it should go to a whole host of other priorities for the athletic department and i say that as someone who would like pj fleck to be here for you know 20 years and have all the success in the world and his own private plane and all these other things if we're in like funny money world sure like it would be great that doug marone came in as our new offensive line coach or whatever the hell is going on in alabama but that just practically is not the financial situation the university of minnesota is in nor has ever been in and i think fans should probably get used to that that is a whole topic we will not cover because we are not an alabama blog but i do find it interesting that they now hire uh former nfl head coaches as line coaches now that's it's a thing uh that is happening uh all right basketball we going to basketball or are we not excited to talk about basketball? I, I need somebody to convince me to talk about basketball. I guess basketball we'll go into after basketball. The dumpster fire. Why not go into basketball? <laughs> I mean, there's lots of reasons, mostly involving not shooting well. Boy. <laughs> to not talk about basketball. I really don't know what to do with this team. I mean, I know we're it's a it's an exciting season. I'll give it that. Anytime the Gophers are ranked in the top twenty five, it's gonna be exciting. And maybe I've just watched too many games this year, seen too many minutes, and just picking everything apart. But, boy, uh, I don't want to overstate that uh, the Big Ten is a difficult conference this year, but there are not going to be any days or nights off if the most recent game, uh, blowout rather, against Maryland is any indication. Uh, you, after you finish the gauntlet and you know do decently uh, to go at home against a uh, two and six uh, opponent and then just get railroaded run out of your own building is uh nothing to be excited about um kind of makes you wonder i guess is is this really a team that can make it to the second weekend of the nca tournament just given how disastrously inconsistent they are i mean they scored 49 points 49 points against maryland and Granted, you know, the Terps have ripped off now three pretty impressive road wins, Gophers included, but 49 points. I mean, this is the, what, fifth time that this has happened now where the Gophers have just forgotten how to play basketball, where they just can't score, have no idea what to do. And it's before it was just that they were on the road and you could maybe create this narrative of a weird home road split, but now this happened at home after you dominated Michigan, a top 10 team in the country. It's just, there is, you you never know what team you're going to get on any given night. And it kind of makes you wonder the rest of the way, they've got 11 games left, what you can really expect against any team. So I, so yeah, it's, it, it happened at home. They're just as likely to rip off a, a win away from home now too, but boy, <laughs> you just do not know you're gonna get on any given night let us also note that if minnesota had played a mediocre game on offense they would have beat maryland maryland was averaging one point per possession 
And some of that was you know, at the end, you get fouling and stuff to extend the game, and so they get you know, more free trips to the line or you know, just easier shots to make stuff going quickly. The defense for most of the game was fine. Your 49 points note is actually more generous to the offense than it should be because they scored like five points in the lap from sort of the under 18 to the under six or something. I remember like 11 minutes of game action and had five points or something in the second half. It was, it was bad. As someone who deeply, deeply hates the like, ooh, D2, or like we better a D3 game. Watching the Gophers play offense against Maryland looked like watching a Big Ten team play a D2 team. Outside of Marcus Carr who was the only bright spot, and Liam Robbins magically figuring out how to pick up three fouls in a minute and 45-ish of game action in the second half, which, from a nonpartisan perspective, was hilarious. From a would-like-the-Gophers-to-beat-Maryland, not so great. I mean, is there a fix? Do we have anything? Like, is it just hot, cold? We don't get to know what it is until they play? I suspect they'll continue to be inconsistent. I mean, the fix in some level is not that, well, that hard is is a wrong way to say this. There's two ways to go about this, I would say. The first one is that conceptually all of this stuff is very easy to fix because conceptually someone who is not paid to be a head basketball coach in a major conference can tell you, oh, well, you know, only have everyone hold the ball for a second or two and crisp ball movement and reverse passes and run all these actions and this will magically be fixed. As if no one on the coaching staff has thought of this. As if, you know, Ed Conroy, Richard Pitino, Dre Holland sitting on the end of the bench as a grad student, all of them are totally mystified at how you run basic motion offense. Like, thank God that we have... Fans on message boards who probably never even played basketball at the high school level who can tell us how to solve all of these problems. Look at all these like little Lawrence Franks just running around waiting to be given coaching jobs. Uh, so the conceptual thing is actually pretty easy, though. The conceptual thing that all of, that would come from the message boards is you avoid having extensive amount of Marcus Carr dribbles the ball for 17 seconds and then run a single high pick and roll and prayer that something goes. The less conceptual, more practical problem is if no one on your team can make a three-pointer contested or wide open, it turns out it's pretty easy to guard. And that's where the Gophers are when they are unable to hit anything from the outside teams especially teams like maryland who's got a lot of length just sit in a either explicit pack line or a pseudo pack line you can block any post entries it's hard to move the ball around and then things do look very stagnant and that isn't going to be solved until this team collectively gets out of its shooting slump which might not happen in which case you're going to have these very high variance performances i don't know steve if you agree with that but that would be my my answer to your question chris yeah i know at, at some point it like gets away from being an x's and o's thing and i think patino's even talked about this i mean he's just as mystified as anybody um that gabe kelsher and booth gosh can't hit any shots i mean i don't know what else you can do besides work the offense to get your quote-unquote best shooters 
wide open shots, at some point they have to put the ball in the hoop and that's not happening. And for Gabe, it hasn't happened all season, save for maybe one or two games. And I, I guess at the end of the day, there, there isn't again, a, there isn't an on paper fix. You just got to hope the ball goes in and it's close. Sometimes the ball like rims out, I guess it looks like it's about to go in. Of course, there's also air balls too. So it's like, I don't, I don't, know what the answer is and that's deeply frustrating because you can rip off a 20 point win against Michigan and then barely put the ball in the bucket against a okay Maryland team so it's going to be a hair-raising final you know month and a half and will they figure it out don't know it's probably more likely that they continue to split games the rest of their way which will put them into the tournament as a six or seven seed and we know what happens from there I don't know. On some level, the second week question is to me a separate question from getting into the tournament in that unless you are a one or a two seed and really unless you are a one seed named Virginia and or Kansas on the two line, the likelihood that you're going to win your first round game just has a lot to do with who you're matched up with more than more than anything else. So I think it's less a, are they a second-week team? I think from a high-variance perspective, should they get into the tournament, definitely would not bet them to be in the Sweet 16 for that. The other bit that I find just mystifying watching the team is that even for an offense that is unstructured in the sense that there are some basic rules to the offense, but we're not talking about someone like busting out the flex or again, is they will regularly get what should be good shots. Even against Maryland, they got a bunch of good shots. As Steve noted, none of them go in. And from a coaching perspective, short of, I don't know, magically becoming the flash and just slightly tipping the ball in as so it goes on the right line and then returning to growl on the sidelines there's nothing you can do as a coach about that your players at some point have to execute i think it is concerning from a fan perspective that certain players are not getting on the floor given the offensive struggles in the sense that it's hard to believe it would be any worse if trey williams is playing 15 minutes a game And so the fact that he's not suggests that, well, Trey Williams may be transferring in the offseason. Because I don't know what else you'd need to see from the starting five to not think maybe I'll maybe I'll take a little bit more look at my bench. Man, you know, uh, Alex, just once in my life, I want to be able to say, you know, in a casual conversation, yeah, they're actually a pretty good shooting team. But But I've never been able to say that. There, there are, and this is this is not me blowing smoke. Minnesota, when they shoot, when they're a decent shooting team, i.e., they shoot thirty six percent or better from three, can beat any team in the country. And I would pick against all, but currently maybe Gonzaga, that if you gave uh, sort of you know best out of seven, that Minnesota would take four from just about any team in the country if they were shooting 36% or better from three. Because their defense, once they get some shots falling on offense, the defense is really good. Very well connected, 
putting getting a lot of good teams to have really terrible performances they have elite rim protectors as i continue to say i think they have the best wing defender in the country that's all really good and that actually means that you can have a game like ohio state or michigan neither one of which instantly were you know phenomenal three-point shooting performances but you don't actually have to be that great on offense you just average like 1.08 1.1 points per possession like okay but not phenomenal on offense and you'll murder teams and you'll look like you know that tweet like minnesota's gonzaga at home or whatever imagine a team that had the capability to shoot the ball with that performance yeah, you brought it up, I think. I can't, remember, I can't remember when we were talking about it, but you basically said even if they were a mediocre shooting team, they would be one of the most dangerous teams in the conference, and instead they are an abysmal shooting team. I was looking at uh, Ken Palm rankings. They are 300th out of 348 teams, and if you want to unpack that a little further, um, all the Ivy League teams are ranked 348th, so you got 10 teams behind them who aren't even playing this year. Maryland Eastern Shore is down there. So is Bethune-Cookman. They've called it the season. Chicago State's done. So really, you got like 12 more teams who technically aren't even playing that the Gophers could be behind. They're the worst shooting. Well, unquestionably, they're the worst shooting team in Power 5 conferences. Given that we're playing basketball, they're the worst shooting team in any conference for which you think there's a team that has a shot of getting to the Sweet 16. They're the worst shooting team. Well, they're historically bad. I think I saw the stat, something like, this is the worst three-point shooting team in, in Patino's tenure. In fact, right, right now, they are the worst three-point shooting team in Gopher basketball history. So you have to go back to, what, 86, 87 when they put in the three-pointer? So you're talking 30-some years, this is the worst three-point shooting team that Minnesota has ever had. Which is great, because they're a team that's built for a four-out four or five-out, let's shoot a lot of threes dope could be worse could be miami right now miami florida they are shooting 25 percent from deep i mean minnesota is really not that far off from that yeah i feel like whatever difference is there is pretty uh statistically insignificant that's a shot that's a three-pointer every two games But yeah, but uh, to, to to close the conversation, I guess on basketball, uh, it hurts because the Nebraska game got postponed. Who knows when they're going to be playing that one again? So you lose basically a winnable game off the bat. Play Maryland at home, drop that one. Now you're on the road twice against a dangerous Purdue team and a Rutgers team that no one really wants to face. Although they have been losing a lot lately, but they just busted their slump over the weekend. But Either way, going on the road, no fun. They never play very well at Rutgers to begin with. So you got two more games now where it's not going to be um, uh, an easy victory by any means before you face Nebraska again at home. So instead of being able to break up that, you know, the streak with a Nebraska win, now you're <laughs> looking down the barrel of potentially a three-game losing streak after such a, success, a successful first half. Yeah, absolutely. I will merely add not on the men's basketball team, but the women's basketball team, which does in fact have a capability to make threes. But speaking of very gritty performances, so the Minnesota women's basketball team is not good. And the likelihood they make their NCAA tournament this year, low. But currently, Sarah Scalia is playing with a separated shooting shoulder. And she had 21 points against Penn State. Which, 
I'm not going to say that's the most impressive injury performance I've ever seen, but it's definitely up there. All right, well, so this is how, you know how this goes, everybody. What's going to happen is Minnesota's going to destroy Purdue by 52 points now. And next week we get to talk with excitement. Yeah, I mean, the problem is I I kept doing predictions for the Gophers to lose up until uh, the Maryland game on the blog, and then I picked them to win, and you know what happens. So let's just go back to tradition here, you know? And everything will be okay. All right, Steve is banished. That's That's the takeaway. Steve is banished. Uh, okay, a team that apparently has no trouble scoring all of a sudden, um, go for hockey, the men's hockey team, uh, you know, just absolutely torched uh, Arizona State. Uh, Andy, I take it that uh, Arizona State does not play uh, a Notre Dame-style clog defense based on these scores. Well, no, yeah, I mean, they, they, they aren't a great defensive team, and it doesn't help when your two of your top four defensemen aren't playing because if they have COVID. Um, so yeah, the Arizona State was a bit shorthanded last week, but that shouldn't uh, take any anything away from the fact that after the Gophers struggled to score uh, in, in their series against Notre Dame, uh, the message got through in practice and, and they erupted uh, for 10, go- 10 goals twice. Um, and, and, you know, say what you want about Arizona State, but to show you how, how incredible and how monumental that was, the last time Minnesota had scored 10 or more goals in the game was 2004. They just did it in back-to-back nights. So, um, yeah, they got the message. Uh, they, they showed up. Now they just need to translate that. I saw somebody made a comment somewhere. Uh, you know, they had they had to Ohio State this weekend, which, I mean, Ohio State's not an amazing team, but they're, they're a lot better than Ohio than Arizona state and uh, Minnesota has got to be sort of buckled in to go that first period. Cause it's going to be, uh, it's going to be like playing, moving from playing the JV team to the varsity team. It's going to be a, a bit different uh, when they, when they strap on the skates this Friday in Columbus. So um, hopefully they, they can continue to, to find the, uh, the mojo that they found last weekend. Uh, they earned the top two stars of the week for the big 10. Uh, Blake McLaughlin actually led the country with seven points Uh Last week, four goals, three assists. Uh, Brandon McManus had a natural hat trick in the uh, Friday game or Thursday game against Arizona State, excuse me, um, and then added another goal in in Friday's win as well. So uh, Minnesota is nine and zero this season when McManus tallies the point. Not coincidentally, he missed three games and the Gophers uh, lost most of those games. So. Um, yeah, they just need to, to see if they can control it, get back on and do things correctly. You know, like I said, Ohio State's a middle of the pack Big Ten team. Uh, Gophers swept them back at Mariucci in November. Um, there's no reason why they shouldn't be able to go into Columbus, where they've actually had fairly good success over the last few years, and, and do it again. At this point, was there anything that changed about your perspective on the season based on Arizona State, or it's more just a palate cleanser? Like, oh, that feels a lot better. No, I think it was just more a palate cleanser. You know, they they played, obviously, their worst two games of the season against Notre Dame, and, and I think Bob Motzko got the message across at practice that that's exactly what happened. Uh, they came out with fire uh, right away from the, the first period of the first Arizona State game, and, and they, you know, were 
weren't tentative. They uh, they were putting pucks on net. I think that Thursday night we were keeping track. Uh, the Gophers had more goals. The Arizona State's had shots on goal till about the five minute mark in the second period. Um, so no, it was just a, it was a total total butt kicking. They came out and did what they needed to do. And and you know, like I said, now that now the trick is is you got to take that momentum, take that energy, and bring it back to a much better team. Um, you know. You, you want to say a, a tougher environment, but there won't be any fans in the stands in, in Columbus, so it's not really a tougher environment. But, you know, you just got to continue to move it along because, um, you know, you, you have a bunch of uh, road series here the second half of the season. You got to go to Ohio State. You got to go to Penn State. Um, you got to go to uh, Notre Dame. Uh, so you've got to be able to uh, make sure you can get these wins on the road or at least pick up, you know, four or five points a weekend. Uh, the biggest thing you want to try and do is is lock down that number one seed in the uh, in the Big Ten Conference so that when the Big Ten Tournament, which was announced earlier today, that's going to be played at, at Notre Dame uh, because basically they're the most centralized team in the conference so everybody can take a bus there, nobody has to fly or anything like that. Um, so when you get there, instead of having to play three games in three nights, you can have that first round bye and only have to play two and two, and it's uh, your your chance to getting that automatic uh, bid to the NCAA tournament. Whatever form the NCAA tournament will be, uh, becomes a lot easier. Well, the women also head to Ohio State this weekend, um, looking to bounce back from a disappointing uh, weekend at Wisconsin. Uh, any thoughts leading into that series, Andy? Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see exactly uh, how the, how they bounce back from adversity. You know, uh, they had last week off to sort of regroup and, and, and practice and, and get over themselves. Um, and, yeah, they head to, to Columbus, and, and like I said, the schedule doesn't get any easier. They head to Columbus this week, then they come back and host uh, Wisconsin and Ohio State in back-to-back weeks over the next the next three. So uh, it, it's a grueling road for this team, and, and they're still somehow ranked number two in, in the country in the polls, and they're still somehow receiving one per place vote in the polls, which is just absolutely idiotic. I mean, you guys know I'm a, I'm a homer for Minnesota hockey, but whoever is ro- voting the Gophers number one in, in the USCHO poll, I really, really would love to know who the hell that is because they can't be watching the games. They just can't. The fact that they're giving Minnesota a first place vote over Wisconsin is just so insane, I can't even comprehend it. But um, Wisconsin's one, Minnesota's two, Ohio State three, and Gophers and Buckeyes split earlier this year. The Gopher, or Buckeyes and Wisconsin split their season series two games apiece. So those are by far the top three teams in the country, and uh, you know I think Minnesota needs to at least find a way to wiggle out a split this weekend. If they, if they go to Columbus and get swept... Um, I think you could probably make the argument that uh, Minnesota is the third out of three teams uh, in the country if you want to rank them like that. Looking at sweeps the other way, volleyball opened uh, this past weekend against Michigan State, took a pair of 3-0 wins uh, against the Spartans. Uh, Any early takeaways from volleyball in this odd January season? Yeah, you know, I mean, I watched watched part of the matches uh, this weekend. Um, you know, they're, they're adjusting. They've, they've got a lot of talent returning. I mean, they still have Stephanie Samity, who was playing insanely well this weekend. Um, uh, they've got CC McGraw at the libero spot. Um, uh, you know, the, the one newcomer that they're fitting in right away, uh, their setter, Melody Shaftmaster, 
Uh, she was named Big Ten Freshman of the Week earlier this week. She uh, played great at center. I mean, she she looks like she's going to be a, a stalwart in that spot for the next four years. And she gives the Gophers a, a completely different look at, at setter than they've had. They the, the most recent past they've had a lot of uh, you know sort of your shorter setters. Uh, Samantha Seliger Swenson was five six five seven. Uh, Kylie Miller, the UCLA transfer they had last year, was five seven or so. Uh, Shaftmaster is six three. Um, so you have a setter who not only can can block at the net, she can you know when you're looking for some of her her direct passes. Uh, they become more like spikes than than lofts, um, so that's a that's something that Minnesota hasn't really had in their in their arsenal before. Um, you know they've got two other freshmen, Taylor Landfair, who's the number one recruit in the country. Uh, she saw plenty of action this weekend. She looked really good, uh, and then Jenna Wenis was out of uh, Texas. She was I think the number three or number four recruit in the country. Also looked pretty good in, in the limited time she saw. So uh, Minnesota definitely has a lot of depth, which is good. Um, the question is, do they have the full frontline talent to compete with the, the Wisconsin's of the world? Uh, the Badgers, number one team in the country this year, uh, NCAA runner-up last year. They basically brought everybody back, have two or three All-Americans they start, um, and, and they're damn good. They, uh, they hosted number 13 Purdue last weekend and just absolutely destroyed them. Um, so... Uh, it'll be it'll be good to see if, if Minnesota can uh, get things you know figured out as they get further in the year. They go to Maryland this weekend, which should be another pretty easy sweep of matches for Minnesota. Maryland's not great um, before things get uh, really interesting. And and Purdue comes uh, or the Gophers head to Purdue and then head out to Penn State uh, in back to back weeks. So the uh, Gophers get one more easy week before uh, the schedule gets considerably harder for them. Do we want to predict the basketball game? Abrupt transition, but we're at that point. And I mean, I could also just go find a coin, decide Minnesota's heads or tails, flip it seven times and see what comes up more. That seems like a... Uh... Minnesota by seven. <laughs> There's the answer. Okay, uh, I'm taking tails four, heads three, and my best of seven. Tails is Minnesota. Andy? Glenn Robinson, 73. Vashon Leonard, 68. Steve? I am not participating. You've boy- you're boycotting this? I'm, boy- I'm boycotting the predictions. Is this because you feel personally responsible for the Maryland yeah, game? much, actually. Mm-hmm. Yep. I need, I need a timeout. <laughs> okay. All right, well... Uh... Steve's on a timeout, uh, which means we definitely probably should wrap it up. Uh, everyone stay safe. Uh, I for- Oh, see, it's my fault, too. I forgot to tell everyone to wash their hands, socially distance, and behave themselves before the end of the podcast last week, and look what happened. So wash your hands, socially distance, behave yourselves. Don't get COVID. There's a vaccine coming. And in the meantime, go Gophers. Sky you ma. Roll the boat. <laughs>